Hello, folks. Welcome to On the Home Front. I'm John Murphy. Glad to have you with us. You might be watching us live here on WILI at AM 1400 and FM 95.3. We record our shows, and they end up on the WILI YouTube channel, where many of our local talk shows post all of their shows for you to access 24-7. Our guests will get links to these programs so they can share their stories in many ways outside on their own networks. We have a special program for you this week. It's a topic that we've covered before, uh, but not recently. It's about how to manage development. And we have a situation in Ashford right now that brings us to the show today. Uh, they are dealing with a proposed large uh, like distribution center warehouse facility. And there's an organization that's trying to locate these around the state. There's a proposal for one that's going on now in Middlebury as well. And in the last few weeks, one of them was proposed for Wellington. And after a discussion, they decided to pass on the opportunity, at least for now. But we have people here today because Ashford is going through a process right now, and it's being debated. And there is a hearing next Monday. That's March 13th. I think it's 7 o'clock. It's a Zoom meeting, so anybody can join in. If you go to the town's website for the town of Ashford, you can get a link. It's a meeting of the Planning and Zoning Commission. And the reason why we're taking the show today to give time is that what this is is a story of the whole state because every town is figuring out how to grow its economy, how to raise money, and how to do it without compromising the quality of life. So Ashford is an example of something we've covered before, and we have two people who live in town. They've been involved with the town in many ways, and our goal today is only to share information. We're not going to sell any point of view. We're just letting you know what the concerns are. Next week, I'm going to have somebody here who's from the developer's company so they can explain what they're doing after the hearing on Monday. So that's a bit of a setup for what we're doing today. And now I want to introduce my first guest, Charlie Vittick. Charles has been with the show many times over the years. He's a land use planner. He's been involved in land and water management for decades around the country. And he lives in town, and he's lending his expertise because he can help evaluate proposals. We also have Chuck Funk, uh, Chuck Funk with us today. Chuck is a former member of the Board of Finance, and he's still involved with the town operations in many ways. So I want to thank you both for being here today. It's a pleasure. And in the spirit of kind of cooperation and collaboration, uh, just, you know, we can use our time to air what are the concerns people have, because they're shared by everybody in the state who want to protect the same things. And at the end of the show, I have some audio that I recorded from a Zoom meeting uh, which was a, 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 a public hearing on February 13th where there were public comments. And we're going to air some of those at the end of the show today to give you other people's points of view, pro and con, before next Monday. So maybe, Charles, you could start with some background on what people are concerned about when you think about water impacts. And then this proposal has a couple of layers of options that are large or larger in terms of their impact. Right? Okay, well, Thank you. thanks, John. Yeah. Uh, the applicant, uh, which is Campanelli, uh, is proposing four potentially different land uses. Uh, one would be a warehouse, uh, another would be a distribution center, a third would be a, a research laboratory, and a fourth would be an industrial facility. Those are very different types of land uses. Uh, and it's proposed for a site in North Ashford, which is 113 acres. It's For those who know the town, it's where the Ashford Motel is, one of our favorite locations. It's, uh, <laughs> it's on 84 at exit 72, 
where the Route 89 merges. That's the area on yep. the north side. On the north side. Right. Of it. Although it's important to understand that the actual zone proposal change affects the north and the south side, um, even though the applicant is only have has land only on the north side. So technically, it will affect both sides. Uh, Many people may not realize that because there's a distinction between making an application for your land, uh, but it's actually a making an application for the zone. So they both are affected, but obviously it is the north side, which is really the focus of this particular thing. And I think the probably the most important thing that is there from an environmental point of view, for those who don't know that they live in Ashford, they also live in the water supply of the Wyndham Waterworks. Uh, Willimantic's water supply, as well as Uni University of Connecticut. So there is a water uh, quality and water quantity consideration uh, whenever you build on a uh, public water supply. And this actually is the first time, not only in uh, Ashford's history, but really of this whole area of something that could be as big as 1.5 million square feet. And, and the reason we know it could be that big is because there's 113 acres and the building footprint is 30% of that. So if you do the multiplication and turn it into square foot, it's about 1.486 million square feet. So that's how you get the number. Now, the applicant could do less than that, but when you do a zoning analysis, you always look at the worst case based on what they're asking for. Or the maximum use. The maximum right. use, because maximum. that's what they're asking for. Right. So if they say they're doing less, well, they might do less, but on the other hand, they could do the maximum. So right. that's kind of an overview. Now, this is kind of tricky because we could lose everybody in some of the details. What's the, what the issue here is from the testimony is scale. Some people are not opposed to the idea of a facility. It's a matter of how big should it be in a town that created an enterprise zone to try to raise money, right? Towns are broke. They need money to do the things that we want. And is it going to be property taxes going up, car taxes? So there's real pressure on elected people to find ways to raise money. And they have opportunities present themselves. And then you have the debate that we're talking about. How much is too big? How much is good? And people are struggling now. They don't know. They might like the idea, but they don't know about how many trucks, how large, 24-7. Hmm. Uh, one and a half million square feet is 26 football fields. If you can imagine that, that's the scale, depending on how they designed the thing. Uh, Chuck, now you were on the Board of Finance, and the town has different agencies, whether it's zoning, land use. You kind of break up the decisions into stages. Can you talk about how planning and zoning and how they work and how they're so critical to what follows? Well, I think, uh, thank you first for having us sure. here. Um, I think zoning is important uh, in that we want to be able to frame the approach so that it doesn't impact all of us negatively in some form and i i think what's important here which is one of the things that charles has brought up is it isn't just necessarily ashford that's affected by this and i think it's a good point i think that's a really important thing for us it is ashford that's going to be able to have control over the effect but it doesn't just affect us um so i think that that's what zoning has to really pay attention to um is the obviously the ultimately the the well-being of Ashford residents, which sure. is what they have to, what they have to weigh. That's right. Mm -hmm. And That's right. I, I think one of the things that I wanted to point out was 
I think one of the things that makes this challenging is the fact that we just don't know what they're going to do there. I mean, if we knew it was going to be such and such business and this was what they exactly they planned on doing, that I think would make a difference on how people could uh, assess uh, what's coming down the pike. I'm sure that's going to come up Monday at the hearing when people make more comments is they want clarification because it's like, well, what are you really approving of potential use? And do you have to work through a scenario for each use to say, well, these are okay and these are not? And how do you do it and follow the law exactly. so you don't jerk around a contractor unfairly Correct. with all this last minute stuff? They may be having totally good faith trying to do the right thing, but the rules shift. Yeah. It goes both ways. Yeah, if I could speak to that, that that's, a, that's a very important point here because what we have is a situation where the owners of the property currently are actually different than the developer who is uh, proposing certain things and is also different from the person who could ultimately de develop it. It could be the same company or it could be something different and the, the actual company which is going to be uh, living and working in that facility is uh, is even a third ca a category of, of people. And so what we have is, I call it a shell game, where you've got four different things going on and you've got three different parties going on, four different land uses, three different parties, the owner, the developer, and some future landowner who, who may decide to pick from one of those four shells. Under shell number one is a di distribution center. Under shell number two, is a warehouse, and under shell number three is an industrial facility with not any specific qual qualifications as to what kind it is. And, and then the fourth is the research lab. So you say, there's a lot of uncertainty. And Chuck and I had talked about this issue. If we were dealing directly with the company that's about to do it, there wouldn't be these layers of confusion, which I think is what is making it difficult for a lot of people, uh, because I think, we do need some kind of development. It was set up for some kind of development, but right. it's just this, uh, it's a fuzzy zone that's been created by these layers. I, and I, I think, that, you know, Chuck, you may want to speak to that, but it, to me, that was one of the issues. Well, I think one of the things that you uh, have continued to bring up, which I think is the right uh, conversation, is we don't know, nobody knows, you know, the number of people that would be involved in this site. So are we talking about you know, a hundred workers, are we talking about a thousand people yeah. that could potentially be there? Yeah. And there, and Charles can speak to this, there are, uh, you know, sewage issues yeah. Yeah. that need to be resolved. And this is a very delicate water yeah, area that yeah. we need to really pay attention to. So we just don't know. And, and there mm -hmm. is no sewer uh, there. Yeah. So this would... They're, what they're proposing is septic a septic tank, septic a, system, a septic yeah. system versus a sewage treatment right. system. So, yeah, this is something Charles could speak to. Yeah, I, I will say it's it's interesting because uh, the Institute of Transportation Engineers is the think tank that uh, across the country every planning and zoning commission uses or their transportation consultants use to try to figure out what the amount of traffic would be generated. And using those numbers, you can determine the number of people that would be working in these facilities. Uh, right now, for example, take the town of Middletown. They use the Institute of Transportation Engineers uh, industrial facility category for a facility of 1.5 million, and they say there would be 1,100 
uh, 11,000 trips a day going through there, which would be half of that because it's round trip. So it'd be like 5,000 some odd numbers. So, but we don't know that's really going to be the case. But right. for planning purposes, that's what you use when you're doing traffic engineering. You look at the worst case scenario, and then if it's better than that, thank God. But <laughs> the, the, the bottom line is that's how tra transportation engineering is, is done. And I used to do that kind of work. Um, and so you, if you don't do that, you're actually planning for something which may not work because you haven't looked at the worst case. So we do know that there's a wide range of numbers uh, that could come up. And that's the advantage if we, uh, if Campanelli could actually say, look, this is what we're going to do. Uh, and, and we actually knew that this is what the end product would be then that simplifies things tremendously. And then everybody knows, well, okay, this is it. And I honestly just yesterday went to look at the uh, Uxbridge um, Campanelli Business Park, and I have to say it's uh, extremely well done. This is uh, in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. Right? It's about 45 miles away from Ashford. And they're professional builders. There's no doubt about it. But, but they're in the speculative business right now because that particular building, which is – uh, 450,000 square feet, which is about a third of what we were talking about, right, uh, right. is right now for lease. So um, you wonder, you know, if they, it, it might be the same scenario in, in Ashford, but we don't know. We, they may actually have somebody, but they don't want to say. Yeah. So these are uncertainties that do create some bit of confusion for the public and right. for all of us, yeah. I guess, really. Right. So we're going to take a break in a couple of minutes, but I want to ask Chuck one last question before we take our break. Because one of the tricky things I'm learning is that the planning and zoning folks, they really can't do much to modify. They either say yes or no. If they say no, then the contractor has a chance to come back and modify. But technically, the idea of negotiating is very hard to do, and there are legal constraints on that. Could you talk about why that is? Because some people may apply common sense and say, well, here's what we like about it. Here's what you could redo. But they can't be quite that open because of the law. Talk about yeah, that. I yeah, would, I would defer to Charles on this, who's dealt yeah. with this many times. Okay. Yeah, uh, uh, contract zoning is uh, not uh, a legal concept in Connecticut. Uh, a proposal is put forward, um, and the, uh, the uh, Planning and Zoning Commission either has to accept it or they deny it. Now, if they deny it, they could, if they want, and this is something I think is a very good idea, is say there's some kernel of goodness in what they're doing, but there are things in here that need some adjustment. And then what you do, uh, which I've already recommended to the commission, is to create a work group, which could include the developer. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a free country. And uh, a, a series of individuals within the municipality. It even could be the finance board person. It could be anyone they want to set up. And that gives you the opportunity to massage the issues that may be a little right. rankling. Right. Uh, and it's a very good process because then everyone says, oh, okay, we've bought into the process. We, we feel they've listened to us. We've listened to them. It's That's what is a very useful process, and I've seen it happen in other locations. You build a little goodwill, and then compromise isn't failure. Correct. Yeah. Because what you want is a long-term relationship. You just yeah. don't want to win in the early part of 23. You're going to have to live through that for a long time. So we're going to take a short break for a couple of messages. We're talking about the town of Ashford and how any smaller town is trying to grow its budget and bring in business and still protect quality of life. And right now, Ashford's going through this challenge. We'll be right back.
Okay, we're back live here on the home front for this week. We're glad to have you with us. We're continuing our conversation today about the town of Ashford and how it's managing a development opportunity. We have two town residents with us today, Chuck Funk to my far right and Charles Vidick here. They've both been involved with the town for many years. And uh, we're here to talk about the issue itself and how the town is managing it and what the areas of concern are that people are trying to kind of negotiate to find a solution because it's still in a stage of decision-making. And there are two things left that they wanted to talk about today. One is uh, having to do with the fact that the the location of this uh, exit 72 on Route 84 by the Ashford Hotel, this is right above a main area that feeds the Fenton River. So it's all upstream going down. And Lake Chafee is nearby on the other side. And there's some water issues about this. And one thing that uh, Chuck wanted to talk about with Charles was when they look at negotiating an agreement, there's a larger solution that might fix another problem with water in town at the same time and have more benefits. And that's where creativity could really come up with a better situation, right? Right. This um, is Lake Chafee area. Yeah, Lake okay. Chafee, years yep. ago, there was a, a committee formed in 1991 to take a look at the water quality of Lake Chafee. It, right. was, uh, it was not in great shape. Um, uh, this committee looked at it for uh, seven or eight years. Uh, they they formulated a report, and that report concluded that um, you know a, a sewer system would be likely, very likely, benefit the entire area, uh, and it and then that sort of went nowhere. So when Charles and I were talking about um, this uh, warehouse, um, it's not that far from Lake Chafee, and I. I had mentioned to him that it seemed to me that maybe there's an opportunity uh, to solve uh, both problems. Um, uh, the warehouse uh, right now is being proposed with a conventional septic system. Um, and Charles can speak a little uh, more informed um, about a, a warehouse this size. How many are around the state that actually have a conventional septic system versus being tied into a sewer system. And we were thinking that maybe there could be a collaborative opportunity between the t with the town and this place. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. And this is a problem across the state. Uh, all the um, boom in development in the 1920s along the uh, lakes of Connecticut have led to this crisis of septic system failures. It's not unique to Lake Chafee. This is across the, uh, the entire state we have this problem. And the way to solve that really is to have a uh, wastewater treatment plant established uh, that would deal with that, which uh, Chuck and I have talked about, would enable development to occur uh, in Lake Chafee, which is now encumbered by the limitations of the lot sizes and the discharge of effluent into the Lake Chafee. Right. So there's a real opportunity here uh, to look at this issue as a collaboration with a potential developer uh, who doesn't really have a site that's got sewer. There's no sewer there at all, public sewer, and a whole uh, lake that has long wrestled with the issue of how to deal with the wastewater effluent. And a lot of people live there. Correct. Yes. A couple hundred, I believe. Yes. At, at least. Yeah. So this is a really a very interesting concept, and, and I think it's worth discussions at all levels. The Planning and Zoning Commission, the first selectmen need to talk about this, even the, the Board of Finance. And there's another consideration here. 
we have an enormous amount of influx of federal funds right now through the Inflation Reduction Act and a few other major investments. Uh, and this could easily dovetail into funding opportunities that may not just limit uh, the scope of the funding to a developer or even to the town, but there may be opportunities here to look at a bigger picture where the money was not available perhaps in back uh, 30 years ago. So. so in a little while at the end of the show, I'm going to play some audio for you from the February 13th hearing of the Planning and Zoning Commission where local residents shared their thoughts pro and con so you can hear some of the thinking of the local residents. And again, this is all coming to the next step is Monday the 13th at 7 o'clock. They're going to have a Zoom meeting. You can go to the town website to get a link to join in and see what the next step in the conversation is. Because one area that people had talked about was uh, noise, uh, truck traffic, of course, on back roads. Trucks get lost all the time, and if their GPS goes off, where are they going to go in the neighborhood to turn around? Some of these trucks are large. How do they, you know, how do they navigate? But one thing is the height of the building at 75 feet. Uh, so without going into too much engineering, can you talk about why height might be a challenge and some people might be more favorable if it wasn't as high? Yeah, well, that's going to be that's one of the zoning changes that's being proposed. Right. And you know, with a town like Ashford, one you know obvious example of a challenge is our fire department is in a is not in a position at present to actually deal with a seventy five foot tall building. Um, so this would be again a thing that we would need to overcome, um, uh, and and that's a pretty major change to yeah. our zoning to 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 have a building that's 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 that imposing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, because of this issue, I went through all the zoning regulations in the state to find out who's doing what. And there's only 18 towns in Connecticut that have a 75 foot or 70 foot height uh, or greater. And all 18 are the urban centers of Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And they all have public water and public sewer. And it's not a coincidence, by the way. <laughs> this is one of the things you do when something is that big. Even the big uh, warehouses that are up by uh, Windsor, uh, none of them are over um, uh, 70 feet. They have much lower standards uh, as far as the height goes. So what we're dealing with is heights that are only associated with urban areas. And of course, it would require a fire department uh, uh, issue to be dealt with, which has to do with the ladder systems that would have to go up that high, despite the amount of... Uh, of on-site water, which the developer knows, and they would have an on-site tank for it, but uh, you need more than that. You need more than uh, just an on-site water system. You have to have the backup um, in case things don't go well. So there's there's an issue. Uh, there's a couple issues here, but but the size of this thing uh, is really an urban scale size uh, because there are no other rural uh, municipalities in Connecticut that have anything of this scale. Height-wise or even size-wise? Right. Well, that's a good question. Now, one thing that's happened in the last few weeks before the show is that the town of Wellington went through a similar review process. And I wondered if, uh, since you were following that closely, if any of the pros and cons there are translating here and if the developer had to deal with issues of scale in Wellington and some of the concerns here, uh, have they been prepared to handle the same questions here, do you think? Did Willington make it really clear? So maybe the contractor would learn if they want to stay in the region and avoid the same kind of a result, they have to modify. 
And I wonder if that's going to help them or just, just kind of maintain them. They're going to do the same thing until the town wants it the way they want it, and they really don't want to scale it back. Maybe yeah. that scaling back is what their business model won't work. So their so their design requires it, or they can't do it at all. Yeah, I don't I don't have enough information to really speak to Wellington compared to to, to Ashford yeah. personally. Well, well we're going to yeah. get people here from yeah, the town. I, no, I can speak to it because I attended it and I actually uh, provided a testimony yes, you on did. that. You did. Um, and, and basically, there's a lot of similarities, although they have different uh, attorney, they have a different uh, proposed developer. Uh, and, and, but both things are the same insofar as neither uh, proposals uh, identify who the actual ultimate user will be. The similarity is also they both are talking about massive uh, demolition and removal of soil. Uh, you know, 3.5 million cubic yards, I've estimated from the ana analysis I did for Ashford. And the numbers in Willington were very, very similar. I don't remember the number mm. per se, but it was taking down a whole mountain. Uh, it was probably even worse in Willington than what we're, we're talking about because that was actually like a bedrock type of scenario. And that was a major set of concerns by the people there. The difference also was that was not a Zoom meeting like it is in Ashford. That was in a gymnasium. And 300 people showed up for that. Wow. And it was kind of, you could feel the energy. <laughs> it was a different thing from Zoom. Because, yeah. you know, Zoom is, yeah. well, you could be in the bathroom while you're watching Zoom. Uh, but not in a gymnasium. <laughs> yeah. So it was a different experience in that way. But honestly, very similar in terms of some of the issues. Because you're talking about something almost of the same size. Right. So if you go to the website, you can look at those meetings. A couple of people on February 13th actually commented on how well the meeting was run, how the chair handled the flow of questions well, how people that were speaking were very reasonable. There was no uh, good guys, bad guys attitude. You know, There was no hard polarities, no yeah. enemies there. Uh, it was a very nice kind of a spirit of sharing information. It may get heated later, yeah. but they're putting it out now to help people think a little bit. That's why we're doing this show is to get information out there. Yeah, I would really want to definitely compliment the zoning board, particularly the chair, but all the members. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. conducted a really civil uh, meeting, and it, it's a testament to the work that they did to, to make yeah. that happen. Yeah, and I would agree. Uh, what impressed me is also that they were willing to stay till past midnight. Yes. Not even in Willington did they go that far. Yeah. I think they might have made to 11.45. But if I recall, it went beyond midnight. And so, yes, uh, all the power to them for, you know, being able to listen to all of that. That's an enormous commitment. And, and I, kudos to the volunteers who work on planning and zoning commissions. I've been working with commissions for 40 years. And... There's, you know, they don't get enough appreciation for what they do. I'm glad you, you said know? that because the Economic Development Commissions, all those folks are volunteers. They put in time. They take on a lot of pressure because they bring up real life, which people care about, and they have to deal with heat sometimes. And it's just the process is really interesting how they have cycles of people getting along well and not personality-wise. But they're really making a difference, and it's important for this process to keep it cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think as Charles said, it really is an informational uh, yeah. endeavor, and yeah. we just want—I think everybody wants, you know—to do the right thing, whatever that means to yeah. considering environment or or uh, tax base, all, all of that. There's a balance there. I, I agree. It's exactly that. 
there's not a single town in Connecticut that doesn't think about rateables. Rateables are having commercial industrial property that would help uh, in the overall tax base of a community. It, it's inevitable. We just can't live without that. And it's not because of the rateables only. We need to bribe products. We need employment. We, this is a, a, a complete picture. It's a gestalt. Our lives depend upon these things. So, Yeah, right. But also, before we close this segment, I want to mention Neighbors. It's a wonderful monthly publication. The current issue has two articles about this issue right there. It's a local journalistic exercise. All the writers are volunteers writing on different themes. I have a media column in here as well about the show. But if you get this every month, it's available for free all around the region. But if you miss a printed copy, it's online in color. All the issues are there in an archive, and you can track things over time. So there'll be more coverage of the Ashford situation in Neighbors. Of course, the Willamette Chronicle will do what they can with their reporting to get stories in once in a while. And we'll continue here and on WECS at Eastern. And what I want to do now is take a few minutes to play some audio to hear some other points of view that were shared during this hearing, again, February 13th. And you'll hear how well the conversations went. You'll hear some pros and cons, and then I'll come back to close out, okay? So let's go right to February 13th. Okay, we are back. Thank you all for that. I uh, hope everyone's refreshed, ready to go. Uh, we will start. Mike, as I look at the participants and hand raise, that was in order of hands? Yeah, they should be lined up um, based it. upon when they raise their hand. Very good. Okay, for the open session, uh, I will just remind the commissioners that uh, this is the public uh, open comment session and it is not a give and take, it is not a back and forth. We'll simply listen to their input and we appreciate the input from each and every citizen. And we will move on to the next uh, speaker, which will be Loretta Robo. Loretta. Loretta Robo, uh, 297 Pumpkin Hill Road and I'm speaking as the chair of the Ashford Conservation Commission. As a conservation commission, our concerns are a lot about land and what's happening to the land. One of the reasons why that area is so wealthy is that it has a lot of water. It's a lot about water. And it is the headwaters of um, the Fenton River, which as, as uh, Charles mentioned, it goes right into the watershed for, for uh, Mansfield and Willimantic. The, there is also another headwaters not too far from this site, um, Maury Pond, which is the headwaters for um, Mount Hope River. So there is a lot of water there, um, which is wonderful. There's also a lot of forests around it, and it's also wonderful. One of the things that Ashford likes is the fact that it is, um, the people feel they like the rural character of the land. And for all the years I've been on the commission, that is one of the things that, er that everyone who talks to me agrees with that we like our ruralness. Now, yes, we have to sort of balance out and somehow provide some economic development for our town. But in this place, in this area, to have this very, very large footprint in this area that has a lot of difficulties with water, with stormwater, with, with wastewater disposal and everything, it would really be very problematic and would take, would really ruin um, the beautiful water system that our town has because we're basically in a watershed. We're in the Nat Natchog watershed. We've signed an agreement 
um, to work on maintaining a healthy, a Natchog healthy water protection. Um, so we're aware of that. So what we did is last year, two years ago in uh, 2020, when this first this project first came up or a similar proposal, we had um, Jean Pillow, who works for Eastern uh, Connecticut Conservation District, provide um, a lot of information about wh where, what she saw was going on with this area, what it could tolerate, what it couldn't, um, what was excessive, what was not, and what things to be aware of, all of the things that Charles was mentioning prior to my talking. So I really encourage the members of planning and zoning to really look at that um, report that she gave. It's a very detailed report. It talks about the reasons why that she said the things that she said. So again, encourage all the members to do that and that the um, Con Conservation Commission has a lot of concerns about all this. Thank you so much. Um, okay, very good, thank you. And uh, next on our list would be uh, Christina Sebo. Yes, hello, um, I'm Christina Sebo, 91 Perry Hill Road. I've lived here since 1990. I'm on the Conservation Commission, but I'm speaking tonight as an Ashford citizen. We've heard about the Uxbridge Park that Campanelli Group is finishing on a site that was similar to the Ashford site. I recommend that the PZC members should visit that Uxbridge site and see if what has happened there is what we would like to see happen in Ashford. That address I learned tonight is 612 Douglas Street in Uxbridge. I will be going there to look at it. There are no specific plans for building in this amendment um, proposal. Rather, the amendments would create the opportunity in the future for larger buildings and additional uses. This is one of those slippery slope kinds of things. While true that the town could always decide not to approve something, even if it complied with specifications, including these amendments would be tantamount to saying that this scale of activity is what the town would accept, indeed welcome at this site. It would open a door without the kind of careful consideration that is that was given to the original regulations. It's hard to close doors that have been opened. The applicant argues that the new normal for distribution centers and warehouses requires much taller buildings to allow for things like robotics and conveyors. What is also likely for a new normal around a massive industri industrial complex or especially a distribution center would be a profound increase in traffic to, from, and on the site with concomitant runoff pollution to the watersheds of two rivers, as well as a likely marked increase in traffic along routes 89 and 74, regardless of how much we're told that would not happen. Remember the hundreds, the 1,000 potential workers. Also minimized is the, is the likely damage to environmentally sensitive areas. I echo the major concerns by Mr. Vidic about the lack of public sewers or public water in that area. How would the massive needs for both get fulfilled without harming the local environment? What support services would be invited by this type of project and where would they be? Would Route 89 turn into a commercial strip to support 1,000 low paid distribution center workers or would Cash's country store be enough? Finally, if green space means grass and landscapes, there's virtually no value for wildlife or the environment in those. So that's not really a high priority issue. 
And to echo Loretta Robel, I urge the PZC to embrace the pre-development review checklist developed by the Eastern Connecticut Conservation District or any, uh, for any proposed plans and zoning regulation amendments for this site. I think the commission should decline to approve, approve the amendments, assuming that at some point, the kind of development we want to happen will be proposed and or accepted by the landowners. This site is indeed in a valuable geographic location. This part of Connecticut is growing. Our section of I-84 almost always has a lot of traffic now and very high accident rates and further development most certainly will find us. The existing regulations would accommodate the size and kind of development the town had previously decided it wants to see. That this more modest use might not yield the very large return on investment that the owners might envision should not be of any concern to the commission. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Christine. Uh, Next on our list is, I'm, I'm imagining it's Kay Olson. I have it as Colson right here. Uh, if you are available to speak. Uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Carrie Olson. I live at 73 Kitterbrook Road. I also own property at 2729 Shore Drive, which is right next to Lake Chafee, right off of Route 89. Um, I also, uh, for those of you who know me, I happen to be a municipal and land use attorney. And um, I wanna, um, I think, uh, support and echo the comments that have come before me. But my purpose tonight is to really focus on the text amendment that's been proposed, um, again, as a land use attorney. Um, the devil is in the details. And my major concern about what's being proposed is that the addition of these very broad uses to our regulations for special permits in this zone is unfettered. Um, I, 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 I will quote, um, they're proposing uh, under section 10, warehousing and industrial facilities. They do not define industrial facilities. They do not circumscribe industrial facilities. We have no idea what ultimately could be proposed uh, as a result of that. And I think this commission is very much aware that there are certain industrial uses that this town would never be in favor of, notwithstanding the fact that if you approve this text amendment, they would likely be um, allowed by special permit. Research facilities um, and testing laboratories, I'm not sure that anybody would oppose that and then distribution centers, um, which obviously, as we've been talking about tonight, is a concern as far as truck traffic, et cetera. And, and that's the other thing that brings to mind. Um, they do not have an actual proposed development at this site, and all of the evidence that they've provided this evening, and again, I appreciate that they're dealing in the abstract, um, seems to be based upon a warehouse distribution use but we don't know that that's what ultimately would be proposed if this text amendment was allowed. And so all of their data regarding truck traffic, property taxes, et cetera, um, it is, um, uh, again, it, it, it's not a, a fait accompli. And so my concern, again, as a land use attorney, is what would a court do 
if we were to accept this text amendment and an application came in for a special permit for an industrial facility. Again, undefined. <laughs> and where would that put us? Um, I think this commission is very much aware of the fact that if what's being proposed meets the letter of the regulations, your ability to deny a permit um, is truncated. And so my position is I am in favor of economic development. I am in favor of even uh, the uses that have been proposed for this site within reason, but that if this commission was willing to even entertain this text amendment, that there should be further uh, definition and delineation of what it actually means. Uh, to me, an industrial use could be everything from um, uh, the trash facility that this town voted against uh, to a uh, nuclear power plant. I, I mean, I don't mean to be cheeky, but, but that's the way that a court's gonna look at this. And so my position on this is we need to be careful and understand that there is no absolute proposal on the table right now, other than this very broad, very broad text amendment that basically opens the door to virtually any use um, of sizes that can be, you know, umpteen square feet, 75 feet in height, and that if we're going to start going down this path, that we ought to really take a step back and think about amending our, our regulations to accommodate reasonable opportunity for economic growth with what is absolutely unacceptable to those of us who have lived here, and I've lived here since 1985, uh, to the rural character of our, our uh, town. And uh, with that, I will, I will turn it over and thank you for the time. Thank you very much, Carrie. Uh, next on the list, uh, Mr. Mike Gantick. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair and um, members of the commission. Uh, my name is Mike Gantick. I live at uh, 144 Oaks Road. Um, I am current member of the Economic Development Commission and the Our Town, Our Future Committee. I also did serve uh, on the Conservation Commission as well. Um, and, and like all of you on the on the here on the call tonight, um, I, I, I truly uh, care about Ashford, and I wouldn't want to see anything happen to it. But I do support this text amendment. Um, I think we um, need to give the developer a chance to you know show their creativity and what they can present. I really believe that uh, you know uh, they can utilize this amendment to minimize and long short-term impacts to the property um, relative to any development. Um, and, you know, I too spent um, most of my career on both sides of the fence on development projects and more of the last 37 years in the public sector where I my, myself and my team had to review a lot of these types of applications um, from construction and impact to the community. So, you know, I, I really believe that it can be done to minimize any of the uh, concerns that people have. Um, I think, but we real the big question to me is that, you know, we have to begin to look at how do we sustain what we all love here in, in Ashford, you know, the quality of life. Nothing is free. Um, it all takes resources, and that's dollars and cents. So on the school system, whether we want to put money forth for preserving other open spaces, whether we, it's the parks, the, you know, the trails, 
any of the, the library, the school system, all that takes money, unfortunately. And we have an aging population in this town. Um, there's a lot of people that are hurting that, you know, the taxes aren't, aren't cheap, as we all know. And, you know, we're looking at things the state is requiring with affordable housing. Uh, we've heard a lot of complaints about the rents going up in this town. I mean, how do we, how do we sustain the things that we all care about if we're not finding ways to produce new revenues to support that? And I think I, I want to just share a story on this part of the Economic Development Commission. That we've had many conversations with the property owner about this property. And there's a lot of times he's come to us with certain things and we've told him, hey, this is not going to fly in Ashford. It's not what we want. It's not what all Ashford's about. Um, and he's, he's listened to us. And, uh, but I think we have a situation here where we have a you know, third generation developer who has a you know, proven track record. And I think we, we don't want to miss this opportunity. I think we have to give them a chance to show it. There's still the points in place to check and redo as it's already been discussed. I'm not going to repeat those, but there's plenty of opportunities for, you know, down the road to determine what type of development and the things that we want to look at from that perspective. Um, and if, if this is unfortunately the best location in town, it's, it's somewhat isolated. I know there are you know, people that live in the general vicinity, but if we don't begin to look at this as the opportunity to help us, um, you know, our, our future is at stake because we don't have the resources we're, we're going to be, pricing people out of living in Ashford. Um, so I really think this is where, where it's meant to be, development's meant to be. Um, I think we've got to look at this, what are their options? We don't want um, development taking place in everybody's backyards along, even the, even the quarter of 44 and 74 is somewhat limited. Um, so I think this is really the best opportunity. I, I urge the passage of the cement text amendment. Let's, let's give this developer a chance to demonstrate their creativity and what, what they can do for Ashford and, and become a partner and, and a, you know, a really part of what our community is about. So I thank you very much for the opportunity to speak this evening. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. Okay, those are some audio excerpts from the February 13th uh, hearing of the public of, of the Planning and Zoning Commission in the town of Ashford about the Ashford project. Uh, now, once again, this coming Monday on the 13th, there'll be a meeting at 7 or 7.30. I'm not 100% sure, but if you go to the town website, you'll get the link, and they'll continue this conversation. I tried to give you a sense of some of the people and their pros and cons. They were very nice how they communicated. They were very cooperative with each other, and I hope that will continue so the town can find an answer and still stay united to move ahead. That's the idea why we're doing this show. The audio from this show is on YouTube. Uh, as well on the, uh, on the WILI radio channel. It also airs on WECS on Wednesdays between 12 and 3. We have a partner program, so we have another way to get these messages out. Uh, I want to thank my guests today, Charles Vidic and Chuck Funk, for being here. They both live in Ashford. We'll have them back at a later time to keep coverage going. But I thank you guys for being here to start us off today. Well, thank you, John. Very right. much appreciate it. Yeah. And we'll continue this again next week. Thanks very much for sharing your time with us. We'll see you next week at the same time. Take care.